0: So if you have questions or you want to sign up for FitBucks, you can do so in the show notes, FitBucks.com. Build your profile, schedule a call. We'll be talking to you soon. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the FitBucks podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Ranke. If you're watching the podcast on YouTube, welcome, welcome, welcome got a a good episode today um you guys have heard me talk about in the past about inefficiencies in financial services and how much it actually ends up costing you and and other consumers and your friends and everybody else in the long run and that's what we're gonna be talking about today Um, inefficiencies what do i mean by that so it's like across the board so first and foremost everything you have to do in finance is i call it the old financial way you have to go to all these different people okay and it's very inefficient because they have to charge you one way another person has to charge you another way they get commission on this or that or whatever it is they try to push certain products so people go into wrong products it's very inefficient and then at the same time like if you go on the internet you start reading blogs and, and all that stuff and podcasts there's so much different information out there you got to try to triangulate this stuff and you don't make the, the efficient decision either. And then you go to a financial planner because the way they're structured, they're not financially uh, efficient either because they could give you advice on like asset management, for example. But if you're like, you're a new grad, you might not have assets. Long story short, all this chaos is what I call it financial chaos cost you and the industry a ton of money. Okay. I want to show you a real life example of today of what had happened. And again, shameless plug, one of the reasons why I'm so excited is because the podcast today and, and this video is gonna end up highlighting one of the cool things that we can do with our new technology, because I'm using the new t- our new financial planning technology to illustrate how efficient that this is. And I'll, um, the example I'm gonna give you, the person goes down the traditional financial planning route, and if everything goes perfectly, he ends up with X amount of money. And if he does the plan that we told him to do and everything goes perfectly, he ends up with almost four times the amount of money by the time they hit retirement. Okay, four times, that's how big this is. Okay, so enough chatter, let's get into it. I'm gonna actually go through with you. Like I said, this is a real live demo of someone that we've actually worked with in the past. Um, using our technology to to show you how inefficient this is. And you might be looking at this like your own situation. Like, yeah, like I'm in that same boat. What was his situation? He graduated, had about a hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt. He was making about $70,000 a year. Okay. uh, In income. And he had a few things that he had to decide. One, he had to decide what type of student loan repayment plan that he goes on. Okay. Second, He was thinking about getting married in about three years, Um, and his girlfriend at the time was also in the same profession as him, making about the same income, but she had no student loan debt, okay? Now, if they got married, they wanted to potentially buy a house, and then they also were planning on having children, and one of her goals was to potentially stay at home part-time or full-time, okay? So that was like their backdrop. Now, you might be saying you're in a similar boat with, all those things, which wouldn't be uncommon because we see all those things for new grads very commonly. You might only say, look, I only have one of those things. Like I need to figure out what I need to do with my student loans, right? What what type of strategy, what type of plan? You might say, hey, I'm getting married and I potentially want to buy a house. Or hey, like, you know, I want to do X, Y, Z, like having children. Again, you can have all these things like, like this individual had or just part of them. I'm going to show you like these inefficiencies and what happened. So first and foremost, I'm gonna go through what this individual did before coming to build his, his free profile of FitBucks and scheduling his free call with his Fitbus coach. What he actually did, which is typical, what most people do is they just try to go to their, their resources, right? So the first thing that he tried to do was go to his loan servicer, okay? And the loan servicer told him the best thing, the quote unquote recommended plan was to go on to revised pays you earn or repay for short. Okay. And it's like, hmm, okay. That's advice number one. Next, he wanted to know how much home he could afford. So then he went to a real estate agent and the agent was basically like, look, I my job is not to tell you how much you can afford. I just want to say, hey, how much what are you looking for? Can I get a house in your price range or whatnot and help you buy the house, let me introduce you to a mortgage broker. Which, this again, no fault of their own, this is the traditional route that people take. They go to the mortgage broker and he says, this is how much, you know, I'm trying to figure out, this is my goal, is I'm trying to figure out how much I can potentially afford. The mortgage broker comes back to him and says, well, you know, based on your numbers and, and your girlfriend's numbers, if you guys were married, you'd be able to afford about a $600,000 mortgage which kind of took him aback. because He's like, really, 600000 And he's like, yeah, that's how much you can qualify for. And he said, no, 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 no. I wanted to know what I could afford, not what I qualify for. Those two things are completely different. And trust me, I'm going to be doing a massive, major set of podcasts on mortgages coming up here in the future. But affordability and what you qualify for are two completely different things. And so when he asked the mortgage broker, how much can he afford? The mortgage broker was like, that's not my job. I have no idea what you can afford. I can tell you what you qualify for. And he's like, well, who am I supposed to go to? He's like, I-, I don't know. Go talk to a financial planner. So then he talks to a few of his buddies, and they introduce him to a financial planner. Okay? Now, first of all, this financial planner first tried to sell him life insurance, which at the time he needed no life insurance, so I thought that was kind of funny. But then when he asked him about student loan debt, first and foremost, because that was one of his questions, and he wanted to confirm what the, what the loan servicer said, and, and the financial planner was like, "I don't know anything about debt. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, I, I don't know anything about student loans. I can't help you with that." He's like, "Okay, well, what about like how much mortgage can I afford?" And the guy was like, "Again, I I, I don't know what I can help you with." And so he asked him, "He flat out, well, what can I? What can you help me with?" And the financial planner was like, "Well, I can help you build a financial plan that you know builds assets over time, and I can help you manage assets and get life in, and get insurance." And he's like, well, I don't have any assets for you to manage. I don't have any life insurance needs. And you're going to build me a, a financial plan, but it's going to ignore my debt. That doesn't sound like too much of a financial plan now, does it? But again, that's what, you know, a lot of younger individuals uh, that go to financial planners face. Now, at the same time, this was the funny thing. Actually, two funny things. He gave him a certain allocation on what he would say to invest his 401k in. Okay, and I'm not going to share with you what that allocation is because uh, there's a lot of nitty gritty in it. And when I tell you that we made a change to that allocation. I don't want you thinking that that would apply to you because it applies differently to everybody. But let's just say that that planner uh, gave him a certain allocation. The planner, the second part that's funny is that the planner was going to charge him $1,000 to develop a financial plan that ignored his loans and his mortgage question and charge him $30 a month to help him implement it. And that doesn't include any phone calls like once a year or twice a year that he might have with them. He's gonna charge extra for that. But just $30 to implement. So he asked him, he said, well, I'm gonna pay $30 to implement What exactly are you gonna be doing to implement this? And the guy really couldn't answer. He had no technology, nothing to even help him do that, okay? So that's the backdrop. Now, for those of you that are watching this on YouTube, I'm gonna switch over to our screen. Um, those of you that are on the podcast, I'm gonna go through these numbers as slow as I can so that way you understand this those of you that are watching on YouTube ignore these columns right now this is the plan on the left hand side that we just went through what he was told now down here the first thing i will point out is that if he were to follow this plan his student loans would be paid off by july of 2035 now that should sound some alarms why because he was supposed to be going on revised pay-as-you-earn. Revised pay-as-you-earn is a loan forgiveness plan that's 25 years long. So if that was the case, he should have been getting loan forgiveness right around 2045. So why was his loans paid off 10 years earlier? And that is where the first inefficiency comes in. See, he went to the loan servicer and they told him, well, go on to revised pay-as-you-earn. That's what they quote-unquote recommended. What you have to realize is that loan servicers don't recommend jack shit. They literally have to read from a script and go by the quote-unquote law, okay? And what ends up happening right now is that they have to tell you the lowest monthly payment you qualify for, which for most people is going to be an income-driven repayment plan. That's why those things went from like 600,000 people on them in the year 2000 to today, there's like nine million people on them is because people call up, say, you know, what do I qualify for? They have to tell them the lowest monthly payment. People say that sounds great and they go on it. They have no idea what that plan is. Second thing is that they have, if if you have the same monthly payment between like pay as you earn and revised pay as you earn, they'll put you into revised pay as you earn, okay? For reasons that I have my reasons, which it's my opinion, so I'm not gonna share them, but let's just put it this way. It benefits the lender, which is your federal government, if you go into repay in the long run. So again, they're trying to make as much money as they can, right? So that's why they do it. That's my opinion uh, without diving into too much details. Now, why was this a red flag? What happened is, is on revised pays you earn when you get married, it's based on dual incomes and dual federal student loan debts. Since his girlfriend has no student loan debt and she makes about the same amount as him, his payment on his student loans after he was married, is gonna jump so high, he's not gonna get loan forgiveness. He is gonna end up having to pay off his loans. Now in the meantime, because he got this whole rule of advice, he's deferring interest on his loans. So not only does he have to pay back the current loan that he has, he's gonna have to pay back a higher balance because he's accruing more and more interest on the loans. So there's mistake number one, okay? Now, when he went to go to the mortgage broker, the mortgage broker told him that he qualified for a $600,000 house. Now, I'm gonna go, gonna go through why that's a mistake. Yeah, I'm gonna do that when I show you, wh- like, what we actually went through with him on how much he can afford, and you'll see how big of a difference this is. Now, I'm gonna go through these numbers, and they may or may not sound that bad to you. I'm gonna explain to you why they may be bad in, in a minute. But if he did this plan and executed it perfectly. When he hit retirement age, he would have about $51,000 in in cash and investments and about $1.3 million in retirement. So combined between cash and investments and retirement, he would have about $1.32 million, and his property would be worth about $1.4 to $1.5 million. But I'm gonna focus on like the cash and investments in retirement, okay? That's if everything goes perfect. Now, you might be thinking $1.3 million. That's actually a pretty decent amount until you realize that that's like almost 40 years from now is when he's gonna be retiring. That $1.3 million is equivalent to like $500 to $600,000 in today's money. Now, if you were 65 years old today and you had $500,000 and that was your retirement, would you be very comfortable about retiring? No, and the probability says you shouldn't be because you're probably gonna be running out of money, especially in his case because he's planning on being married, which $500,000 for a couple to survive their entire lifetime is probably not gonna happen, okay? But that's where a lot of retirees nowadays that are 65 years old find themselves with 300 dollars dollars $500,000 in retirement, and they're looking back like, what did I do wrong? Well, you're gonna see some of the things they did wrong, but they're in the exact situation that this individual would have been in if they would have kept following this information. Okay? Now you might be saying, again, $1.5 million property, not too bad. Okay, that's good. $1.5 million. Now they would have to liquidate that and then have to rent and stuff in the long road. I'm gonna just mostly concentrate on the cash and investments and retirement because that's what they would have to live off of. $1.3 million. Okay, now when he came to FitBucks and scheduled his call. This is what we went through with him, okay? We said, first and foremost, you're not, don't go on repay, have a goal. Do you want to save for your house first or pay off your loans first? Just focus on one of those goals. And if you guys ever wanna hear a podcast about me talking about the power of focusing on something, I've done podcasts on that. Look them up, I might be publishing another one soon. Like, it's very key to everything, okay? But focus. And he said, well, you know, what's the pros and cons? And I basically said, look, if you save for your house first, you're going to be able to buy it probably sooner. But do you really want to start a family and have mortgage expenses and student loan expenses both? And he's like, well, no, if I can get rid of one of them, only have one, that'd be fantastic. I'm like, yeah. Because what I didn't share with you was in that first plan that he did that that we ran out, that we just talked about, I told you he'd have $1.3 million if everything went perfectly. First of all, over the next 40 years, not everything's going to go perfect. You're going to have expenses. You're going to have to buy cars. You have to do all that stuff. So he's probably not going to end up with $1.3 million in retirement. That's first and foremost. Second, the one goal, if you remember, was that his uh, girlfriend slash future wife wanted to make sure that she would have the option to stay at home part-time or full-time if they have kids that first option that she was given was only going to happen if she continued to work full-time and he worked full-time their entire careers again that's why like your parents that are 65 years old that don't have retirement is because they made those mistakes and one of them might have stayed at home part-time or full-time and they didn't have the dual incomes and that's why instead of having 600 or seven hundred thousand dollars, they might have like 300 or four hundred thousand. okay again inefficiencies But when he came to us and said that, I said, look, do you really want both of these debts at the same time? He's like, no, I don't. And so I said, okay, great. Focus on paying off your loans first. Okay, and we showed him a method and how to do that and how he could probably pay off his loans in about three years. Okay, again, he had about $100,000 in student loan debt. We walked through it and the plan that we set up for him, using our technology, he would have the loans paid off in about three years, okay? Then he could get married, save for the down payment on the house. And instead of buying a $600,000 house, because he couldn't really afford that, he could buy a $400,000 house or have about a $400,000 mortgage, I should say. So have a house that's probably worth about four hundred thirty dollars to $450,000. And he's like, that's perfect. That's like the perfect house that I would want. Like that's the value that we're looking at, awesome. So instead of a $600,000 mortgage, $400,000 mortgage. Okay, so those are the key things. Now, and if you're watching on YouTube, I'm gonna flip over to this. This is the plan that we had built out. So on this his student loans would have been paid off in about three and a half to four years okay now in reality he actually ended up paying them off faster he did more than what we built out in this plan but we planned it for about three to four years out and then from there he would end up buying his house so he'd have his loans paid off in four years if we were projecting that as out of as of today he would have the loans paid off by january of 2025 okay he would have his house in March of 2025. That was our goal. Get a house about four years out. Because he could save money and just focus on the mortgage, he could have the mortgage paid off as part of his plan within 12 years of buying that house. So between student loans to paying off the mortgage combined, he would be debt free within about 15 to 17 years, completely. So he'd own his student loans, or pay off his student loans, own his house outright within 15 to 17 years, versus his mortgage in in step number one wouldn't have been paid off for 25 to 30 years down the road, okay? Now, what happens? Because he took less of a mortgage, instead of having to pay that lender, he was able to reinvest some of that money himself, and because he paid off his mortgage early, he had that much more money to invest in the long run. By the way, because of this, his wife would have, or his girlfriend's soon-to-be wife, would then have the flexibility to stay at home if she wanted to. But let's just say apples to apples, because in the first scenario, I said she had to work the entire time. Let's see what happens if she continued to stay working in this strategy. Let's look at these numbers. In cash, investments he would have about 1.1 million dollars in retirement they would have about 4.3 so combined they would have about 5.3 million dollars for retirement in addition to almost a million dollars of equity in their house now 5.3 million dollars versus about 1.3 million dollars And that's $5.3 million. They don't have to do everything perfect. They can have emergency expenses. She could stay at home part-time or full-time. And they would still end up with probably two times or three times the amount they would in the cookie-cutter, the American way, whatever you want to sell it as bullshit that they're basically selling in the old financial services. I shouldn't say old because a lot of people are still doing that crap. They're still doing that cookie-cutter Okay, go into the, like whatever the loan servicer tells me. Okay, I went to a mortgage broker and this is what they told me I qualify for, so that's the best house I can get, so on and so forth. Oh, and by the way, I told you guys the financial planner told him some horseshit allocation. Because we look at human capital analytics and behavior analytics, for those of you that don't know, those are, like we're, go check out our blogs and some of our podcasts on it. Basically in short, it's you. We customize everything to you. So we were able to tell him, based on your your human capital and behavior, this is what your allocation should be. So we factored that into this as well. And he was able to take advantage of those allocations. $5.3 million versus about $1.3 million. That $4 million difference is the inefficiencies that are in the current financial services world of... Poor financial planning, and to me, that explains why people go from age 20 to age 40, and now they're 60, 65 years old, and they're like, well, we have $300,000 saved. Where did we go wrong? We thought we did everything right. No, you were unfortunately part of a system that was very inefficient, and now everybody has fit plugs. They can come to us and be more efficient. (laughs) Uh, Shameless plug, shameless plug. Now, I'm gonna give you guys one more tip on this, because, I did that apples to apples on what most people do in terms of they set their plan and they never increase anything, meaning they don't increase how much they invest, they don't increase how much they pay off over time, but in reality, you should not be doing this. And you guys might have heard our podcast on the pie method, okay? The pie method is the percentage increase in earnings method, meaning whatever percentage you do to your money towards each category. So if you say, I want X percent going to my student loans, X amount going to my mortgages, X amount, going towards my my retirement, those percentages. You always keep the percentages constant. And then as your income goes up, if the percentages are staying constant, that means you're increasing the dollar amount to those aspects or to those categories. So we call that the pie method. So if he would have done that, instead of having $5.3 million, he would have about $7.8 million in retirement. So again, I showed you guys, if he just did the cookie cutter thing, but did it the more efficient way in what we showed him, he would go from 1.3 to $5.3 million. And if he instituted the pie method, which is what we track with our technology to see if you're doing that, he would go from 5.3 million to potentially 7.8 million in all those apples to apples scenarios, just by doing it more efficiently, and then also adding in the pie method. But most importantly, it allowed him to hit their financial goals and it gave the big goal to his soon to be wife about if I want to, I have to the power to stay at home if I want to. I don't have to be beholden to work nine to five, never see my kids, can't do my other things that I want to do. They wouldn't be beholden to that thing anymore. They can go out and do what they needed to do and have the options so even if she stayed home, maybe not having you know $7.8 million by retirement, maybe they won't have that. Maybe we might be like two and a half or three or $4 million, but they wouldn't have to do everything perfect. One more time, I'll reiterate. The very first scenario I went through where they would have about $1.3 million at retirement, that's if they did everything perfect and they didn't have any emergencies and she worked full time. Do the math. Probability says that's probably not gonna happen right so again that's the podcast today as you guys can tell i'm pretty pretty adamant about this that's probably why i started a company that is building a technology to do away with those inefficiencies um but it gets me on my nerves because i i see i've seen this for now shit uh 13 years of how this inefficiency cost people in the long run and so what i'm hoping is that this is a a wake-up call to a lot of you guys saying what am i doing that i can you know, I recognize this inefficiency in the financial services market. What can I do to get rid of that? Okay, my obvious answer is come to FitBucks, obviously, but maybe there's other ways that you could do it. Let it be through Excel and your own stuff, however you wanna do it, whatever apps you use, whatever. I'm hoping you're using UNRs and you schedule a call with your FitBucks coach and it's all free. So just schedule the call and jump on a call and we can start doing this for you too. But know that if you're gonna put your head in the sand and just go with the traditional route that everybody else is doing, than that the quote-unquote older generation did probably says you're not going to have enough money when you hit retirement. Your future you you is going to be really upset and you're going to be sitting there shaking your head saying, what did I do wrong? How did I get here? Don't let that happen to you. That's the podcast for today. Thank you again. We'll be talking to you soon.